can you mic it? Can you stick the mic up the chimney? I've got a really short XLR, and I think that's a good thing. And I also yeah, I just pressed starting record, so. Oh, you only just pressed record now? Yeah. Okay, so people don't get to hear your seagull sex story. That's great. It stopped. It was kind of like, woo, 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 woo. You know, regular sex noises. It just sounds like normal sex. Wait. Yeah, it's doing it again. Mic it up. Mm. Stopped again. God damn, this this seagull's teasing us. Well, I for one, I'm very turned on. <laughs> and actually, before we go any further, I forgot to turn off my fan. Give me a second. It's so hot. Is it hot where you are? It's no, like well, it's twenty degrees. It's that's it was hard. That's hot for Ireland for sure. Yeah, it was you know thirty three degrees yeah. here yesterday, or thirty three wow. if I'm to use my real Irish accent. Indeed, indeed, thirty three and a third. Thirty three and a third. It was too fucking hot. Yeah, they're getting forty four degrees over in France. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. Broke a record, or sorry, broke le record. <laughs> le record. Um, le record. I still have sunburn, or it's not sunburn, but like, so when, we're, when I was out in Miami, I got sunburn on my chest because I, I lay, I fell asleep under a palm tree and the, uh, you know, it just like gaps. It's because when you were in Miami, you went around in Hawaiian shirts with three buttons open. <laughs> with big gold chains. Big gold chains, hairy, hairy, hairy chest that you got pre-curled and fit in. <laughs> I own a nightclub in Miami now. <laughs> yeah, for some reason you're gay and Jewish. <laughs> But I've got, I've got, I've still got like dodgy um, sunburn marks all over my chest and they're all in weird shapes and I don't know what to do about that. Are the shapes changing? It might not be sunburn if the shapes were changing since. Yeah, actually one looks like Jesus so maybe it's like a saviour thing. Who's to say? For the first time ever, um, when I bumped into my brother a couple of weeks ago for the first time in a while, he was like, what the fuck's going on? Where were you? I was like, nowhere. Well, I mean, it was in Spain but the weather was nicer in Ireland. Why? He goes, oh, you got a colour. You got, you got darker skin than me. And I was like, you're right. And we put up arms and like, mine was visibly more sallow than his. Like obviously, in, in Irish terms, anyone that's from a country with the sun will think, what are these two pasty guys even arguing about? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, in Irish terms, it's a serious term of endearment. He'd always been the darker term, the darker one. And I don't know. Yeah, it's just some people keep on saying, well, you got a great colour. And like, where have you been? And I was like, well, nowhere actually, like in any recent time. And then I started to think, Oh, maybe I'm sick. <laughs> maybe there's another reason why my skin is changing colour. And if it wasn't for like the Irish obsession with tan, I'd yeah. be looking into it. <laughs> Steve, this is jaundice. <laughs> it's a nice shade of yellow, you know. <laughs> it's very in right now. Did I tell you about the time I got very mild jaundice? Very mild jaundice. That's no. what literally what the doctor called it. Uh, it was, God, this is two weeks in a row now I've talked about uh, me being sick from food poisoning. But there was a... The, <laughs> <laughs> the time before the, the, this Mexico food poisoning story. Third time's four, a charm. <laughs> the, um, I got sick off some be- very poorly defrosted steak. And I was very, very... It? Me. Mm. I've since learned. But I was very, very ill for like a week. And when I finally had the strength to go to the doctor, he looked in my eyes and I had like yellow, little bits of like yellow in my eye. And apparently it was from um, the trauma on my liver from all of the... Heaving and whatnot that had led to what the, he calls is like the symptoms of a very mild jaundice. So, I didn't, I didn't think that. Yeah, I was wondering. Like, I thought jaundice was caused by other stuff, but it's yeah, it's it doesn't usually happen with food poisoning. It's just like your liver, if it's under an awful lot of stress, can like I think secrete something into your bloodstream or something, Ew. which can, yeah, it's pretty gross. 
Uh, I'm not. I actually, you know, I'm putting an embargo on talking about any more of my um, bodily fluids for at least three episodes. Yeah. Are you having a beer? Yeah, actually, I cracked up. I was feeling really tired, so I thought the best way to stop that was to drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we recorded in the evening, so I felt like we should go back to the old standard of drinking while we record. Yeah, I was actually explaining to someone the good old days of when you used to record in the morning and mine was the evening, so we'd be having a beer because that was the thing back then. But then yeah. yours would be far less inappropriate than mine as you be... broke into your offices to, to skull beers. Okay, first of all, yogurt. I would break into my office... I had permission. They just didn't know that I was drinking and recording a personal podcast while I was doing it. I'm pretty sure if you look at the T's and C's there, Richie. But no, we won't. Uh, wait, why would we record that and put it in something that can be used against you at a, f- a future time? Yeah, forget it. It's fine. It's all good. <laughs> we never even mentioned who you used to work for. Have we mentioned? Yeah, I think somewhere along the lines. But let's not bring let's it up just, now. Let's just say schminked brim. <laughs> no, no, no. That's too similar. That's too similar. Never mind. I worked for the US government. It was the White House. I was about to try and explain what your company used to do, but I still can't, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> no one can. Internet job stuff? Yeah. Uh, what are we also doing this week? known as the White House. What? <laughs> we should get that. This is supposed to be a shorter than normal episode. We should get into it. Uh, what, what are we doing? Oh, do you want to do the what is what I'm first? Yeah. Okay, yeah, let's, uh, let's explain to new listeners what, what this, this show is about. Yeah, and it's my turn to do it. It's so um, I, have, I have this prepared. Um, this is a weekly public radio program and podcast. <laughs> Each week we choose a theme and put together different kinds of stories on that theme. Mostly we do journalism, but an entertaining kind of journalism that's built around plot. In other words, stories. Our favourite sorts of stories have compelling people at the front and centre of them. Funny moments, big feelings, surprising plot twists and interesting ideas. Like little movies for radios. Our show is heard by 2.2 million listeners each week <laughs> and over 500 public radio stations in the US with another 2.5 million people downloading each episode on, as a podcast. We're usually one of the top five podcasts on iTunes. We're also heard on radio stations in Ireland and Germany and all across Canada and Australia. <laughs> Who is this? What well, on politics? It's, it's fucking. If I had two point two million listeners, we I'd fucking know about it. Yeah, you'd sound a lot more like Ira Glass as well. Is it this American Life? I was going to say. Yes. Yeah. Did you just copy and paste that directly? I was just reading the website. I mean, it's that thing. What's it called? The Promise? Not the Promise. The Vision? The Secret? Where you um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Promise? The Secret? Jaundice? No, ah, I got it. Uh, where where you? You manifested in your mind and put it out into the universe and the universe will give it to you. So that's just what you're doing there now. So next week, about well, two point two million. It's really yeah, they give they give Ireland a shout specifically and then Germany can Maybe Australia. it's because Amer- like, uh, over in the Americas they've got like a very simple the simplified version of what Ireland is in their minds and the idea of a podcast reaching <laughs> reaching people like that is like, wow, this shit really spread. You see, you're getting too woke there, Richie. This was a radio show before it started as a podcast so it's actually the point is that they're saying syndicated in Irish radio and for the last oh, not me, even I, the podcast thing I don't even know what wireless radio station in this island is playing it mm. anyway uh, no that's not us that's this American life we're kind of like that except <laughs> worse we're not yeah well not worse just different but not better either <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, like when you we're want to sit down. We're on par with this American life, is always. When you want to sit down for a big, beautiful French filet dinner and made by a Michelin star chef, but instead you go to McDonald's and it's like a bad McDonald's. Yeah. You get food poisoning in a mild case of jaundice. Um, <laughs> so, but, <laughs> okay, moving along. Again, shorter episode, shorter episode. This is going to be an all-news episode. Yeah. 
Yeah, because as promised last week, the interview is a little bit longer and we wanted to focus on that and not cut out and out. So we said we would do a special news only episode this week in our off week. Because mm. mm. there's lots going on. Because there's a lot going on. What do, so oh, much what? that you actually told me to write out parts of the world <laughs> to cut it down. Yeah, a little bit. There's not too much going on. So those things didn't ha- haven't happened. No, don't no. look at those other things. Those no. other things and those other places that you may have heard about from other news sources, such as This American Life, Lies. they haven't happened. They haven't well, actually, happened. we're going to talk a good bit about America, so we got that covered. But the rest yeah. of the world. The rest of the world. So what do you want to start with first? Uh, let's go with the good old, jolly old United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, of which you live in. That's where I is. That's where you is. That's right, I am. They're doing something at the moment. Um, they finally bunged out Theresa May. Um, they, they did indeed. So well, to a certain extent, she she decided she was going to bung herself out. <laughs> she she self bunged for sure. <laughs> to use the proper correct political vernacular, she self bunged. She hopped onto the catapult, and she's like, at uh, 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 a certain point in July, this is going to burn through. This candle is going to burn through that rope, and then. <laughs> And she goes off to wherever it is that former prime ministers go. I wish that was true, actually, because that means that we wouldn't have to look at Tony Blair as often as we do. But no, she just... I thought that all just went to the Isle of Man. That's not a real place, Richie, come on. <laughs> That's true. What a ridiculous name. Uh, yeah, plus That's a gay a woman, nightclub. She's a woman. Yeah, that's the name of your gay nightclub in Miami that you <laughs> wore that shirt in. Yeah, and it's I Love Man. But... <laughs> There's no speed limits in this Isle of Man. Oh, anyway, I was supposed to talk about this story. So let's get into it. Yeah. Um, so, for just a quick recap for those out loop. Previously on the United Kingdom. Yeah. So, back on 24th of May, Theresa May, the leader of the Conservative Party and the PM, announced that she would be resigning herself. What do we say? Bunging? Bunging. Self bunging. <laughs> Self bunging herself. Gross. Uh, pretty much due to like the ongoing debacle that has been the Brexit negotiations and the resignation took effect on June 7th. The resignation as leader of the Tory party. She's still prime minister. I'm just clarifying that. She will remain prime minister until the Tory party selects someone and then the Queen has to agree for them to become prime minister. Yes. Um, so yeah, Tories need to decide who that's going to be. I have written down here who's going to captain be the captain of a ship that is both sinking and also on fire. <laughs> Well, I mean, once it sinks, the fire will be Well, that's the thing. It takes care of itself. So so a lot of the work has already been done. So I'm just going to do a quick timeline of what's already happened and then what's yet to happen. Nominations were opened on the 10th of June with 10 candidates being nominated. Who were those candidates? It doesn't matter because over the course of a bunch of ballots, we've just been left with two. So we're not going to get into the other eight. Rusty the Clown, Vladimir Putin. Putin uh, is there. He made a surprise appearance. Richie, uh, Hercules, my dog. Tony the Tiger, Pikachu was there for a little bit. Yeah, a lot of, lot of animated characters. <laughs> a very eclectic mix in terms of politics, anyway. Jeremy Hunt and Boris Johnson are the two that are left. You said that with a question mark. You're supposed to have researched this. <laughs> but Jeremy Hunt and Boris Johnson? No, yeah, Jeremy Hunt and Boris Johnson. They are the two that are left. Full so should stop. we talk very quickly just about who these chaps are for people who aren't familiar? Yeah, and you said chaps because yeah. you've lived over there too long. Sorry, uh, lads. 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 <laughs> no Bjors in this one. Uh, so Jeremy Hunt is an MP and the Secretary of, uh, of State for Foreign Affairs and Commonwealth Affairs. He is not the favourite by any means. No. Uh, we'll get on to that in a bit. But there is speculation that it, it's there's speculation that he's just too much like Theresa May and that picking him would be too much of a compromise. And mm. that's not what the Tory party needs right now. And then the other candidate is Boris Flippin' Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the out-and-out favourite. And for those of you who aren't aware... He kind of looks like uh, the Milky Bar kids that beat that. My image is a big bird in a suit, except, <laughs> That's pretty except good. just a lot a lot more squished. Yeah, that were portly, a portly big bird. Portly bird. 
And without uh, any he, of the niceness. <laughs> um, he was Mayor of London for 2008, 2016, and he was also a staunch Brexiteer. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so what happens next? So the Conservative Party member base of about 160,000 people are going to vote out of those two guys on who they want to be the leader, with mm. the results being released on the 23rd of July. The odds, uh, like I said, Boris Johnson is like the clear favourite. If you look at the ballot results, because they had a bunch of ballots, like I think five throughout June to kind of whittle down to the, the 10 to 2. First ballot, 36.4. Jeremy Hunt had 13.7. Second ballot, 40.3. Jeremy Hunt had 14.7. Third ballot, Boris had 45.7. Hunt had 17.3. Fourth ballot, uh, Boris had 50.2. And Hunt had 18.8. And then the last one, Boris had 51.1 and Hunt had 24.6. So Hunt slowly gathered some ground, but it was still like dwarfed in comparison to um, the, the votes that Boris was getting. Yeah, the entire the entire MPs ballot was entirely controlled by the, the Boris campaign. They reckoned that there was actually like people told to vote for certain candidates. Mm. So they would eliminate the ones that were most dangerous to Boris. So then they eventually switch back to Boris. And then if you look at Paddy Power, as we, as we often do for these kind of things, Boris Johnson is 1 to 8 and Jeremy Hunt is 11 to 2. So if you were to stick a tenner on Boris Johnson, you'd stand to get £11.25 pence <laughs> return. Whereas if you stuck a tenner on Hunt and he won, you'd get £65. Pence. So after two and a half years of doing a political podcast, intuitively, do you think that is a good or a bad bet on, on Jeremy Hunt? Um, oh, should, like, should I stick a tenner on Jeremy Hunt? Yeah. I mean, for those, for the returns, it's maybe something small, just in case something, again, politics over the last couple of years has been very unpredictable. Stranger things have happened. I don't know. It's What do, what do you feel in your food, in your food poisoned belly? Oh, I feel a lot of things, but not, nothing, <laughs> nothing good for, um, for Jeremy Hunt. You think Boris Johnson's going to strike home? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what do your, you think? Um, well, the, uh, the whole, the, like, after he contained himself and proved that he could actually be semi-professional, everything everyone said that the only thing that can crash Boris is is Boris is, is tra- Boris is charged to victory is Boris himself. Yeah, and lo and behold, pretty much immediately after the <laughs> the night that he won the MPs ballot or like came top of two, mm. he had a massive row with his girlfriend that got recorded and sent to newspapers, and the police yeah. were called. Yeah, and the police were called, and he did dip a couple of points, but it didn't seem to arrest the momentum enough no they managed to man- they, he managed to manage it by by refusing to talk about it and wasn't it, isn't his girlfriend like a mass like a PR expert she used to be the P she used to be the press person for the conservative party itself mm-hmm. so she a lot of people think is like the brains behind the throne in that sense I wonder did she help spin it <laughs> or is she like no I'm still mad at you no no she absolutely did yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like she was in a photograph with him and like she she appeared with him very publicly where she hadn't done that before yeah so, yeah, we were no. we were putting on a a play. Well, I mean, I I don't want to have to like defend this giant dickhead, but to be honest, he was having a row with his girlfriend, which happens. Yeah, and it was recorded by people who also took photographs of themselves giving him the finger as he walked past them outside <laughs> the street, and they are like, I mean, I think the Tories were using like when they managed to fight back, they called them uh, curtain peeping Corbynistas or something like that. <laughs> I think that was Jason. Great alliteration. Yeah, who's like, in fairness to him, like he's not he's not bad for the old zingers. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was like obviously it's not great that the future prime minister of the United Kingdom is having drunken rows with his girlfriend, but also it's a human thing to do, and like it probably wasn't as bad as what it was made out to be, and it was put there by people that don't like him. Right. Yeah. Exactly. 
exactly. Yeah, I think like, yeah. the one that really annoyed people is that there's 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 the the one that made people afraid about like he could potentially be a lot worse than what he was making himself out to be was that there's an audio of of, of her saying "get off me" or something like that. Yeah, that was it. it. Was literally "get off me." But the audio was never actually released, which makes me think that it's not as bad as what the transcript implies. Yeah, does that make sense? Um. I mean, I, like, we can speculate all we want on this. Apparently, it's, right before that, he said, give me my fucking laptop. <laughs> so he, he could have been, like, you know, grabbing the laptop on one end and her every other one. Get off me! Yeah, he's playing. he wants to just play Minecraft or something. Yeah, but probably he needs to finish, like, MSL there. He started 27 I've to, years ago. I've got ago. to build the UK in Minecraft first, and then that'll be my testing ground. Yeah, well, I mean... Oh, shit, I lost Scotland. Way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so th- those are the odds. It's it's looking like it's going to be a bar single. We'll know for sure on the twenty third of July, I and mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it more then. Yeah. Um, the next thing we got, yeah, <laughs> Brexit. You can't talk about any U- UK news stories without mentioning Brexit. And this it's the is the reason why uh, this thing is happening. Yeah, exactly. This is absolutely no exception. Conservative Party leadership race is tied intrinsically to Brexit because uh, whoever you know wins this is going to be responsible for guiding the UK through probably the most challenging political. Um, situation in the modern world, I would say, or one of them at least. So I thought we could talk about like where did the ca- the candidates stand on Brexit? Mm. It'd be a good good place to stand. Boris is kind of we already know we've been chatting about it. He is a starch, a staunch Brexiteer. He's a starchy Brexiteer, but he's also a flip flopper. I don't think he believes a single word that he says. Famously, he wrote two long opinion pieces about why he was going to either be pro Brexit or anti Brexit, but before he decided to go pro Brexit. Yeah, he's even said on this like that. On on the one hand, he's been quoted as saying that the thirty first of October, like regardless of what happens. They're going to exit, but then he's also flip flopped on that comment on, in different interviews. Yeah, so that he was he was basically just saying that during the MP battle, so he could um, get the, the Jason Rees-Mogg people on his side. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that that's a sure thing either. He would be just as likely to. Well, you see, this is it. You just can't fucking tell. Mm. I and, think now, though, I think now, like he is for all intents and purposes, like an absolute definition of a Brexiteer. Like, I think now, especially well, the situation he's going into, I don't think he's going to flip-flop on like, oh, actually, no, second referendum. I'm, I'm, I'm all about the remain, that Remain life. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's a, he's a Brexiteer now through and through. I think the question is, at the moment, which one of them will let the UK crash out on the 31st of October, which is the next deadline? Yeah, Boris has mentioned pr- pr- like pretty frequently that he, he, like, he will absolutely support a hard Brexit. And it is, it's the default thing that will happen unless something changes. Exactly. And he, that seems to be his thing. And there's actually been some kind of rumblings of dissent among some of the, the more centrist uh, Conservative Party members. A chap, again, chap, a lad, <laughs> Tobias Elwood. Um, Are you said drinking that, a can of bitter? <laughs> uh, he said that there, there was like, you know, if, if Boris did really push for hard Brexit, that he wouldn't be surprised if there was a push for a vote of no confidence. From some of those more centrist Tories, yeah. Hunt, on the other hand, he's actually on the other hand, he's actually been pretty similar. He he's said as well that in a more regrettable fashion, but he would still um, mm. uh, go for a for a, a hard Brexit if he had to. Like he's not he's not against the idea of it. Um, to bring it back to what you were saying about how people thought that maybe he was a bit too similar to Theresa May, um, he was a Remainer at the time of the referendum. Yeah, I have that here. In, in 2016, he was a staunch Remainer as well as well, Theresa May. Staunch isn't the right word. He tweeted three times about it. He was a quiet Remainer, if you want to put it that way. Even when the results came out, he did said that he would support another referendum to kind of nail oh, down really? what the exit strategy would be. That would have been a good idea at the time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean. That's that's kind of why I described him as staunch because even after the results, he didn't flip flop immediately. He kind of came back with, "Okay, 
how, how can we like soften this as much as we can? Mm. But then in 2017, he flipped up fully and uh, changed his mind to become fully pro-Brexit. Um, literally cited and was quoted as saying the arrogance of the EU commission for the reason um, that he did that. It was kind of in response to the UK negotiations. So that's Brexit. Do you want to take the next news story? In other news, we're still on the verge of having further war in the Middle East. If it wasn't oh, no. good enough to have war in Iraq and war in Afghanistan, Trump is like, oh, well, maybe I'll start my own war in Iran. It has been getting a little too quiet for him. Yeah. But so then, catch me up on this, because all I've just been seeing is like tweets. And I guess that's how he handles his foreign policy these days. But uh, like, what's the whole story? Yeah, the whole story is that Trump pulled the United States out of the Obama-led um, agreement over the, the amount of plutonium that Iran could develop. Right. So basically to try and stop its nuclear weapons program. And Trump said, bad deal, bad deal, I get a better deal. And rather than try and do that, he just immediately pulled the US out of it. So that involved Iran getting a lot of sanctions. Sorry, do you have specifics on what made it a bad deal? Did Trump have specifics? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Too much no. to ask. Oh, I mean, come on. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me about the specifics of the deal and I was starting to panic there for a second, but no. No, no, no. no I just want to know that what was his particular hang-ups, but you're absolutely right. Why would he start now yeah, getting was, into specifics? It was his whole thing. It was like an easy thing to bash um, Trump about and make himself look better in whatever way he is. Um, so Iran got immediately hit. Not immediately. He, he tied in the the pulling of the US involvement with the with the agreement by also imposing sanctions on Iran mm-hmm. and i guess the strategy of that is to try and hurt Iran economically to try and convince them to do whatever his strategy is supposed to be if he actually had one <laughs> um so basically Iran was really really suffering economically and Iran is starting to get stuck in a rut so they need to figure out a way to not have their country fall over from the lack of economic trading they like they weren't able to sell their oil anywhere they weren't able to like use their money outside of Iran really their their banking industry was entirely locked down so one way that the Iranians used to get attention before is to start setting oil tankers on fire in the gulf <laughs> that's one way that's one way to get attention but um, to, to what end to try and get america back to the table or at least force the europeans to try and bend their arm and also china and other like basically everyone else except for the u.s really relies on this oil coming out of there and their idea is that if they start setting these ships on fire it'll start making the oil less likely to come out of there which is kind of how it works i suppose if you're afraid of your ship getting set on fire you're not going to send it into that area yeah that's just good business sense i mean yeah it's 101 that's what mcdonald's did (laughs) you never heard of um the Burger Boys restaurants that got burned out in Texas, do you? Mm? No, I don't. Exactly. That was exactly. the other. That was the founder too coming out next year. <laughs> uh, it's going to be closer to Birdman than it was the original founder. So <laughs> the, the the U.S. retaliated by putting more sanctions on Iran, and everyone else is like, stop all this crazy rhetoric and try and get back to the table. And also simultaneously, the Iranians are like, well, if the U.S. aren't part of the agreement then we're not part of the agreement and they've started enriching more uranium and they're they basically just switched back on their program and they're getting back to the point that they could have enough to have a weapon right um which is the whole point which freaks everybody out it freaks out saudi arabia it freaks out israel it freaks out the europeans nobody's happy with the idea of iran getting a bomb so but, but trump is handling it with with poise and decency um ish <laughs> So he did do one thing that kind of saved the world a little bit. Um, An Iranian surveillance drone was shot down by 
sorry, a US surveillance drone was shot down by the Iranians. Um, mm-hmm. They said it crossed into their territory. The US said it didn't. And there's two different maps on charting where it was. Um, either way, it got blowed up. And mm-hmm. the US nearly launched a retaliation strike against different targets in Iran. And Trump had given the go-ahead. But then just before they were about to have the, the go past the point of no return in terms of the order, mm-hmm. he said, actually, no, stop. And he said he, he weighed up the idea of, a, of an unmanned drone being shot down versus what he was told was going to be about 150 human casualties on the Iranian side. Yeah. It's not being worth it. But the world knew about it. Was it just blustering to kind of, you know, show that he was willing to take action, but he never actually planned on taking that action? He just wanted to, just, you know, put a little bit of fear in there? That's impossible to know. It's yeah. impossible to tell. Either way, it, it's been confirmed that the actions were underway. There were, you know, fighter jet or bomber jets getting fueled up in different places and the US military machine was all on its way to have an attack on Iran. Jesus. Which, I mean, it's it has happened before, but... Yeah. So give me know. like a, a what-if storyline in an alternate branch reality where this actually happened. What's the most likely outcome, do you think? Um, I suppose Iran would have had to retaliate in kind against someone maybe Saudi Arabia. Mm. Um, there, ha- there have been, so Yemen, which is south of Saudi Arabia, have been having a civil war and Iran backs one of the sides and they've been giving them drones to fly into Saudi Arabia and attack different oil refineries. Mm-hmm. So that kind of thing could have been doubled up. I mean, God knows. I mean, the actual steps towards a full-blown war usually happen really fast. Yeah. So you're not really sure how it goes from blustering and tweets to, oh no, America has invaded... Iran. I mean, that outcome is very unlikely. Yeah. I would still put that much lower. Jeremy Hunt has a better chance of being Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. <laughs> I was going to say, I wonder what the Paddy Power over-under is on that. They probably would give you odds. Yeah. <laughs> you can make that a double bet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Whether you're around or not to collect is a different issue that I'm sure they factor in. <laughs> well, so where, where, are we at, where are we at currently? Uh, stasis, really. Um, neither side has, has, has given the other side anything. Iran are continuing to enrich their uranium, so that means the US are not really going to play ball with them. And I don't really know what the US want in return for coming back to the table. It, it's, it's, really, it's really up in the air. Um, mm-hmm. Trump is not really giving any indication as to what he, what he sees. And the thing is that he's, he's he built into his staff so many people that really just don't want Iran to exist at all. Yeah. So apart from that happening, I don't really know. So they don't want to, it to exist just purely, they just see it as a threat. Yeah, they see the current regime in Iran as being a threat and has been since 1979. Right. So I honestly don't know. I couldn't tell you. Maybe Trump yeah. not. I mean, I, I feel like if anyone knew or could tell that they would be either very rich or, you know, we wouldn't have any war if people could make those kind of predictions. So Yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, you could read 10 different opinions and maybe one in 10 of them could have been right in the after fact, but then you only know that afterwards. So but that could be you on this show. Steve. I know. Maybe I should just make something up. And you get a book deal and I can write the forward for it. <laughs> and it'd be great. I read this when I got food poisoning on my holiday in Colombia. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> And the parts I was I was conscious for seemed pretty good. <laughs> well, to be honest, any idea that I'm going to come up with may as well be a fever dream. So <laughs> that's your market. Speaking of fever dreams, I woke up this morning to see some crazy news on my phone. Oh, uh, that's a is that a, a a rare occurrence now, Steve? Uh, no, I usually wake up with crazy shit going on in my head and on my phone. But what what's this particular story? Then? Donald Trump became the first sitting president of the United States of America to walk into North Korea. Yeah, you see, yeah. Oh, okay. That's okay. So, in the, okay. I'm so I feel so much more relieved now because in the show notes you had this written down. I just skimmed it. You said Trump becomes first president in North Korea. 
And in my head, I just skimmed that as like of North Korea. I was like, what is, I thought you were going to do like a political satire. Oh man. But okay, this makes way more sense. I should have done that instead. You're right. I've given up. And I would just be like, oh wow, that's interesting. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, Tell me about it. I mean, I could verify this by checking any of the websites, but I'll not do that. I'll just listen to Steve. I'm not going to do that. You're, I've built my whole political existence on just believing what you say. Ooh, God so. help you. Yeah, um, but t- tell me about this. Yeah, so Donald Trump was in the area for the G20. I think it was in Japan, and um, he met China on the sidelines, is what you call these one-on-one meetings, because the G20 is a multilateral meeting where everyone gets together in a big room and has a high fives. Yeah, but then he also had side one-on-one high fives with the. Uh, is is this like in the West Wing, like when they're in Camp David and then they split up and people kind of go have their own powwow is elsewhere is is that what we're talking about yeah kind of thing yeah okay yeah but except i think the one you're talking about was israel and palestine and america yeah that was like a peace negotiations yeah, so that thing. was the g3 this is the g20 so if there was 20 people in the first room and then the, some of them split off to have like sore sorry one-on-ones yeah so um trump and g had a side talk g had been in north korea recently so he apparently had some information and then trump was like i'm just gonna go to the DMZ. G had some leftover local currency that he gave to Trump. <laughs> and Trump was like, I may as well go use yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, what, what else am I going to do? Take it back to Washington? I mean, yeah, I've got some Airbnb credits you can use. <laughs> the one place in North Korea, <laughs> yeah. the DMZ. <laughs> so he went there and um, yeah. the DMZ, for anyone who doesn't realize, is the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea. Mm-hmm. It was the line of armistice after the war in the 50s, the civil war. They use it for meetings between the North and the South. They had the first ever meeting between the leaders of the North and South last April. We mm-hmm. probably talked about that then. Yeah. And this is the first time an American president, not the first time an American president has gone to the DMZ, but it's the first time that a North Korean leader has come to the DMZ to meet him. So right. if you watch the video, what happens is they turn up, Trump stops a couple of feet away from the South, on, on the South. Um, Kim is delighted with himself, strides across. Mm-hmm. They shake hands, hug little bit of tongue and then <laughs> like w- two seagulls sorry <laughs> i don't know if we're going to have enough audio at the start for that to be referenced it'd be even funnier if we don't oh shit i forgot <laughs> so trump took a few steps into the north had like a, a nodded his head and then went back to the south and they talked in a building that's called the freedom house for about an hour right and uh, yeah the prime minister or the sorry the president of south korea moon he came in um, for a few minutes and then left again it's kind of weird. It's very weird. Just to drop off some snacks. Yeah, exactly. He's he's like the Airbnb host. Hope everything's yeah. okay, guys. You boys doing okay for snacks? The Koreans have great snacks, actually. So it's, it's I'm sure it was very welcome. I bet. Uh, so do we know? Do we have any specifics on on what they discussed? Absolutely zero, because <laughs> there are no fucking specifics. Because it's just another example of Trump's one-on-one diplomacy, which is not how diplomacy between nations works, especially when talking about right. nuclear fucking weapons. So mm. either way. It is it is a significant moment because the president of the United States essentially stepped onto what is hostile territory because the U.S. never made peace with North Korea after the Korean War. Right. So that would be the equivalent of, you know, if Churchill had stepped into Germany when Hitler was still in charge and talked to Hitler. Except, obviously, it's not like that at all because decades have passed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Astley, and it's, it's also worth mentioning that the North Koreans were also pretty upset after the last talks ended in failure. I think they were in Singapore. No, they were in Hanoi in... Uh, in Vietnam, the the talks fell apart and the North Korean negotiators kind of disappeared. So right. Trump was asked, does, does he think they're still alive? I think they are. I mean, I can tell you who the main person uh, is and I hope the rest are okay too. <laughs> right. Uh, and then also, if he thought the day was worthwhile, um, Trump said, certainly, this is a great day. This is a very legendary, very historic day. 
Um, but also added a cautionary note, it'll be even more historic if something comes out of it. <laughs> so I think um, President Trump summed up the entire event himself. <laughs> no more needs to be said. <laughs> that man is so almost beyond parody. Like, there's nothing. How do you even? There's nothing I could have. There's nothing I could have added that would make it more ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's nothing you can add that makes that more funny than than what that man just comes out with. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I think that might be my epitaph. It'll be even more yeah. historic if something <laughs> comes out of it. Uh, what about back home in the states? Back home in the states, the Democrats are busy trying to figure out who they should put up against Donald Trump in the 2020 presidential elections. Yeah, out of like what 20 people, 25, 25 worthwhile candidates but 178 registered candidates for the Democratic nomination. So what's the process? Uh, Let's take a step back. So just to register yourself. No idea. Okay. It feels like just anyone can do it of the the Democratic Party. Yeah. Well, if it's like 178 people, is it just people trying to get like their their name out there or their their platform and policies out there? Well, I mean, some of them are going to be the guy who loves lobsters and wants everyone to be okay with lobsters. Yeah. So, but like the the ones that are serious, um, a lot of those are probably like, just like in the, in the, when you were mentioning all the different people that had to be whittled down in the UK system, a lot of these people are mm. putting themselves forward with the hope that they'll get their name out there and get better jobs under someone else. Right. Building their brand. Building, as it were. Yeah, exactly. So this is an opportunity to do that. Yeah. Um, the reason you said 20 was that the Democratic TV debates had 20 candidates yeah. on the stage there last week. They split it into two nights, 10 and 10. They had rules as to who got to come on stage. It had to do with how many individual donations you received mm-hmm. and how many, if you, you had to get at least 1% in the, na- in the national polls. Okay. So that was 20. So they're just trying to get trying to narrow it down to the most kind of worthwhile. Yeah, but it has been pointed out that that may not necessarily have been a good idea because there were some people on the stage that may not have deserved to have been there, like Oprah's spiritual guru, (laughs) whose name I can't remember, but is basically a fucking idiot. And um, there was the governor of a red state. I think he's the governor of Montana. He wasn't able to make it either um, because he didn't didn't make the cut. So some ways the rules weren't great, Mm -hmm. but either way. It, it was there. And I actually, I watch both. Um, not at in the middle of the night because, you know, I'm not that much of a dweeb. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am. But you, I was... You are, but there's a line, I right? was sleepy. Yeah. Yeah. You're a sleepy dweeby. Sleep, sleep, sleepy dweeb. Um, Hercules was going to wake me up early in the morning anyway, but it was barking. So uh, there was no point in trying to pretend that I was going to get a lie in if I was to try and stay up. So yeah. I watched them. Was it was it good television? Like, was it a good debate? Uh, ooh, two different. <laughs> <laughs> two, yeah, I suppose. Different okay, let me, let me split that up then. So when I was there living in the States, when a debate was on, it was treated like event television, almost like a boxing match. Yeah. And there was a lot of fanfare around yeah. it and it was almost felt quite gladiatorial. Yeah, there was that. Bear in mind that what I'm referring to now is kind of like more the Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump presidential debates towards the end. Yeah. Um, but did it still have a lot of that kind of over the top polish and kind of, again, drama television rather than kind of political television? Well, if you watch any American TV coverage of fucking anything it seems to have that thing now like I hate watching American documentaries about fishing because it's all just about that it's like look at this guy cast for a salmon up next but like yeah it's it is like that but I think if you were to break them up so that they, they randomly allocated who got to be on each night. So there was actually a lot more heavy hitters in the second night than there was the first. Elizabeth Warren. Oh, is it, pure, is it just purely at random? I thought it they was would. at random. Yeah. Oh, and okay. they and whoever was in the middle had the highest percentage po- points in the polls and whoever was on the wings had the lowest. And I thought the first night was better in terms of actual policy debates. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of basically fighting how left they should go in their ideas. And there were a few people jumping in going, we can't go too far left 
because we'll we need to lose the middle or whatever. We need, we, yeah, we need the middle ground, and also simultaneously we need to be practical about what, what what we can achieve when we're in office. Yeah, like one of the one of the best questions was how will you what will you do if you don't win the Senate and you have to deal with Mitch McConnell, who is the Republican leader of the Senate, who in Obama's last term stopped him from doing anything. Yeah. So I mean that is as likely as not to happen again. So. Mm-hmm. That was kind of, and none of them could answer it because wow. it's, it's a really difficult political question to answer in a small little soundbite. Yeah, the second night was more gladiatorial, and um, they they started to take lumps out of each other. That had the two front runners. Uh, what's uh, Joe Biden, uh, Bernie Sanders, and Joe Biden, and. Kamala Harris was there, who is running fourth, I think, fourth place. Mm-hmm. So she had a lot to prove to try and bring herself up to the top tier level. Yeah. And she did. She took a serious swing at Joe Biden, really left him weakened. And the the talk after all the debates is that Elizabeth Warren did quite well. She she showed herself off as being a policy wonk, which is what she's doing. It seems to be working. Mm-hmm. Um, Bernie Sanders did his thing, you know, I don't know, whatever it is he does. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Joe Biden was left weak from Kamala Harris coming in and swinging at him. On the issue of race. I couldn't agree more that this is an issue that is still not being talked about truthfully and honestly. I, there is not a black man I know, be he a relative, a friend, or a co-worker who has not been the subject of some form of profiling or discrimination. Growing up, my sister and I had to deal with the neighbor who told us her parents couldn't play with us because, she, because we were black. And I will say also that, that in this campaign, we've also heard, and I'm going to now direct this at Vice President Biden, um, I do not believe you are a racist. And I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. But I also believe, and it's personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful, to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And... You know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. So I will tell you that on this subject, it cannot be an intellectual debate among Democrats. We have to take it seriously. We have to act swiftly. As Attorney General of California, I was very proud to put in place a a requirement that all my special agents would wear body cameras and keep those cameras on. Senator Harris, thank you. Vice President Biden. He wasn't able to defend himself on stage. He looked like a bumbling fool, and she she mm-hmm. really got it. She really got the jams in because, as a lady of color, she was talking about how she had to grow up and in in that world. So I thought she turned. She she ended up really strong. Cory Brooker, he did relatively okay. I think all in all, he got to speak the most on the first night. Mm-hmm. But he's also someone that is more suited to long speeches and storytelling. Um, so I don't think he came across that well. Apparently, he got more donations the next day than he has done so far. So Really? Yeah. And uh, there's another guy, uh, I think it's uh, Castro. I can't remember his first name. He used to be Obama's housing secretary. Mm-hmm. He told a lot of good stories got a good, and he went hard left. He's basically saying, I, will, I don't want it to be legal for someone. I, I won't prosecute someone who enters America illegally. I will treat them like good citizens. Okay. And all so these different bits that are quite left. Yeah. Um, um, so here's a question for you, because it seems like... Like you, you touched on it earlier about like how, how center did it go, how left did it go, which feels like a big decision that the Democratic Party has to make. But they've got a pretty broad spectrum of candidates where they've got like Biden who, correct me if I'm wrong, but he seems like a very kind of institutional, very center, very 
mm-hmm. kind of what you would expect of a of a safe bet kind of Democrat. And then you've got people like Warren and Sanders mm. and Kamala Harris who are further to the left. How do you think it's going to shake out in terms of ideological spectrum? Who do you think like who's going to come out more on top? The 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 middle ground or this this further to the left? Primaries are always won by playing to the fringes. Um, people tend to be more left in the primaries and then move to the centre as they get to the actual election. That's Why is that? Because the people that you're trying, because it's, 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 it's an election in itself. You're trying to get people out to vote for you. So Boris Johnson had to make himself as appealing as possible to the right-wingers who are in the Tory party who want to leave Brexit as hard as they can. Mm-hmm. So he would make himself out as appealing as he could to them and then if he's going to fight a general election in the UK he's going to have to swing more to being more pragmatic and practical because is the idea of what the centre is. Right. So equally so in the US if you want to appeal to the people who are actively involved in the Democratic Party who are not actually I guess that's not necessarily a good analogy because the thing about the US is that every citizen is entitled to vote in the primaries. Right. It's almost like a pre-election that you get if you register as a Democrat which is about 40% and then 40% of them are Republicans and 20% are on are in unaligned. Mm-hmm. And I think unaligned people get to choose one of the primaries to vote in each time, but oh. it's different in state to state. Yeah. Um, you, t- you go to the left to try and get the base behind you. Okay. The people who are involved in the party who see these issues as being why they're involved in politics. Right, okay. But then when you get to the dissent, when you run in the primary, you have them already in your voting block. So the fight is over who's in the middle. Okay. You need to appeal to that 20% who could vote Republican or Democrat. And the logic is, is that they're in that middle because they agree with both. (laughs) Okay. But I don't even think it's necessarily true anymore. I think most people are independent because they agree with neither. (laughs) So it's kind of, it's tricky. Um, But that is usually why people are said to be like left. And you're right to say Joe Biden is putting himself forward as the most electable candidate in the general election. And he's the person who get the people who might the people who used to vote for Obama but chose to vote for Trump yeah. and he's hoping that they can swing them back into his camp but he needs to survive all the attacks from inside the party before that happening like what happened to him on the stage and do you feel like there's going to just be more of them oh absolutely that's like he's he's left himself totally open there um, everybody was yeah. saying that it would have been Biden as the presidential candidate with uh, Harris as his VP but now God um, I, I can't imagine kind of opened it up a bit yeah it's, it's completely opened it up I can't imagine why Harris would want to let herself like why she would let up on on hitting home because if she if she sees a point boost out of this like if she moves up the polls at Biden's expense if she keeps on mm-hmm. doing that she she'll be president in her own right so mm-hmm. it's going to be a tough tough fight do you think after so just say Trump doesn't get in and it becomes a matter of which like a, a discussion now about like which is the best democratic candidate for the US presidency after having a president like Trump who is so far to the right do you think it's better for the pendulum to swing fully the opposite direction and we get someone way more progressive, way more left? Or do you think um, something more in the centre is is some is a more palatable option for like America as a whole? Um, yeah, I guess you don't want to just crack open a new can of whoop-ass on the left-wing side to have a new fight with people going ballistic about not our president because it's Bernie Sanders and he's a socialist and American could never have be led by a socialist and that kind of bit. Yeah. Like, I personally think the thing that America needs is a semi-boring but still interesting president to take over. Stability. Stability to a certain extent. But then obviously, like, I mean, I'm a left-wing person. I'd like to see a president with left-wing ideals. I just think that someone yeah. like Bernie Sanders, like, I mean, my favorite is Warren. Yeah, me too. And she's certainly not centrist by any respect. She calls herself a 
like a democratic socialist, but not even like in the American sense of democratic socialist. She's like social mm. democracy, I guess, or is her is yeah. her bit. She's like, like she wants she wants doesn't correct me if I'm wrong, but she wants like fully socialized healthcare with no private insurance. Yeah, that's a big fight. That's a big fight in the American system and um, the American uh, in the democratic debates as to what kind of healthcare system you should have. And that was a big thing that was happening on the first night. Um, yeah, she's she's like she thinks practically the only way you can work is if you don't have anyone involved in profit at all working in the healthcare industry. Yeah. And personally, I would agree with that, but that is a pretty open to debate thing in the idea of market economy and stuff. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah, I mean, but then Elizabeth Warren, as I'm saying this, probably would would end up being just as divisive as Obama was, Trump was in terms of sparking the different culture war. So I don't know. I guess, I, I, to be honest, it doesn't matter who you put in. The other side are going to hate them anyway. <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah. It's the last couple of years I thought it was anything. That's fascinating. I, I'm looking forward to keeping uh, keeping an eye on this. Just because, again, like there seems to be quite a broad spectrum of people just on the Democratic side. Yeah, no, it is. It is it's, a, it's a really good, like, I mean, if you compare this to what the first Republican debates were, were like, it was literally just Donald Trump making up funny names for all the other candidates and getting loads and loads <laughs> of airtime based on that. And them trying... It's very different television. Very different television. Like, the only <laughs> actual... It's like a comedy roast. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! Except <laughs> the Republican was held on Comedy Central. Yeah, and except like normally the roast is everyone else teaming up on one person, but it was one person teaming up on everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump roasts America Friday at nine on Comedy Central. Donald Trump roasts America twenty sixteen to twenty twenty. <laughs> hopefully. Oh, because it's like a climate change thing as well. This is great. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, I honestly don't think he is in that bad a shout to get reelected. You think? Yeah. Fuck. I mean, most of the coverage that I, I like I noticed this week, I read too much left wing God, it can't happen again coverage. That's why it won't <laughs> happen again. So I have to try and branch out and find people. But then if I try and find the other side, they're just like there's oh they're just so unreadable and ridiculous and Yeah. It's just you can't read anyone that's pro Trump, but I have to, I have to because that's that's that yeah because you're trying to get an, an idea of the field exactly yeah the field Man. this this fucking field this this flaming field that smells like manure yeah fallow field so enough about my house how's your house doing <laughs> are those seagulls still having sex let me take off my headphones no they're all done I can hear them lighting up cigarettes up there and you know going hey baby you know <laughs> not a- I still want to be a free bird <laughs> Don't want to tie myself down to one nest, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> not seagulls are famously not into tantric lovemaking. More of a one and done. What's tantric lovemaking? Isn't that the one where you like oh, rub- Google it? <laughs> no, describe it for me on the audio form. <laughs> Google tantric lovemaking and sting from the police. If you want to know more about tantric lovemaking, you shouldn't send us money to get the free episode because that's not what oh, it's fucking- about. Great segue. <laughs> give us money. <laughs> okay, give us money. If we get enough donations, I'll describe in great detail what tantric lovemaking is oh. and how it relates to Sting from the police. I'm going to put an actual number on this. Five. <laughs> five. Okay, if we get five. Five donations. Five is, <laughs> within the next two weeks, Richie has to describe. That's, uh, yeah, okay. So go to whatonpolitics.com forward slash beer. Uh, to go to our coffee link, um, and uh, you can you can buy us a beer there. Super simple, it's all done through PayPal. And I guess if we get enough, I'm going to be describing what my fucking parents listen to this show. That's going to be awkward. Mine don't. 
Ha ha. You're going to just luxuriate in it. I'm going to luxuriate in the tantric lovemaking you're going to describe for me? Oh, that's how descriptive it's going to be. Ooh. I'm going to paint you a word. I'm going to weave you a word tapestry. And here was me feeling spoiled have... by the birds having sex on my roof. I know, right? But yeah, yeah, so yeah, whatonpolitics.com forward slash beer if you want to donate to us in all seriousness. We really, really like it. It helps us keep the lights on. In all seriousness, Richie will describe tantric lovemaking by saying if you give five <laughs> different donations. Would this be a separate, would this just be like at the start? Oh yeah, just be a, like a be, cold open. And a, yeah. I'm not releasing a separate No, 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 episode. you don't have to do it. It's not going to be on a vinyl record for people to buy in the stores. This will just be included in the next episode if we get five separate donations. Mm-hmm. Beautifully sound designed. We'll, we'll do a score for it and everything. <laughs> when you say we... <laughs> So, I will uh, well, and then while we're asking for stuff um, if people could um, review us on iTunes that'd be great subscribe tell a friend that'd be great podcasts live and die on word of mouth so if you could if you, if you want to recommend to a friend who maybe doesn't know much about politics and also doesn't know a lot about tantric lovemaking and would, would like to know about both in the future well you can't guarantee that they're going to hear about the latter well that's, that's in fact yeah, you can't really guarantee they're going to hear about the former either <laughs> so what are we giving people uh, it's mostly just the sound effects of seagulls having sex. So. <laughs> uh, I think I think that's it. This episode's gone beyond the realm of a of a Minnesota into a, just a full fledged episode. So yeah, I didn't think it was going to be a Minnesota. There you go. That one, you're having that one for free. That it? That's it. Okay. Now to fade out on the beautiful sounds of seagulls having sex. Oh, oh, oh. That is actually the noise they were making. I didn't catch it on the... It was like... Qua. I think it's more like a... They have the lips. These seagulls have lips. Oh, I don't want to imagine that. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. They have lips. And you know what? They know how to use them. Oh, I don't know why I have an erection. <laughs> this has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.